You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 40. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm bringing you another amazing guest interview. And since you're listening to this episode, I'm guessing you're a fan of podcasts like I am. Well, today's guest is a PR strategist for online entrepreneurs, and she and I are both longtime podcast listeners. And if you've been a fan of podcasts for any length of time and want to get more eyes and ears on your brand, then this episode is for you. We'll get to the interview in just a moment, but if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then I wanna welcome you. I am a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed nearly $2 million in ad spend and served more than 700 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I love bringing you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. And I'm so excited to share with you my interview with my good friend, Brittany Lynn. Brittany is a PR strategist for online entrepreneurs worldwide. She has nearly 10 years of experience working in the online marketing industry and has a passion for helping others grow their reach, revenue, and impact through strategic PR. She's also the host of the Human Connection podcast, where she dives deep into the topic of how entrepreneurs and small business owners can be better at building real, authentic relationships with their audience. Brittany has landed clients in Bloomberg, BuzzFeed, US News and World Report, Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, just to name a few. She's based in Dallas, Texas with her husband and pup. And I'm so excited to have Brittany on the show. In this episode, you'll learn how Brittany got her first few clients, determined her service offerings, and narrowed her niche when she started her business four years ago. Why pitching to be a guest on podcasts might have a high ROI for growing your online business. How to find the right podcast to pitch and exactly what to say so your pitch stands out and doesn't get deleted because we don't want that. Plus, Brittany shares best practices for following up, including how long to wait before following up and what you should say and not say in your email, why it's important and how to get over your fear of the spotlight, if you're like me and tend to shy away from the attention, how to make the most of the opportunity of being a podcast guest and how to track the results of your PR efforts and a whole lot more. Before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 40. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 40. All right, let's dive into the interview with Brittany Lynn from brittanyllynn.com. 
Hey, Brittany, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am super excited to have this conversation with you. I am so excited to gab about all of the things with you, Monica. (laughs) So we are probably going to be doing a lot of gabbing. So we are good friends. We met in, well, we met previously, but we really became good friends in Pat Flynn's SPI Accelerator program. So, um, but tell people who you are and what you do. And I know they're going to be loving this conversation we're about to have. Yes. So my name is Brittany. So it does look like Brittany Lynn and it looks like I go by like a first and middle name. That's not the case, but my name is Brittany Lynn Lynn. So that's like a little fun fact about me that I like to open up with because you know what? Honestly, it makes me memorable because it's like, how can you forget somebody that's has a double name in their name? So I do PR. But hold on, hold on. Let clarify. Your parents what? did not name you Brittany. Oh my Lynn. God, yes, yes. You're Brittany yes. Lynn Lynn by marriage. I'm Brittany Lynn. I married, yes. My maiden name was not Lynn. I married and just it's, my middle name is Lynn. And unfortunately my husband's last name is Lynn and it's spelled the same. So that's who I am now. Yes. So I do PR for entrepreneurs. And so what that means is uh, I have a PR agency where we work with clients in a lot of different ways. One of the ways is in a done for you format. So kind of like more of a traditional agency format where we become your publicist and we pitch you for all kinds of media opportunities. So that can be podcast interviews, guest blog posts, online publications, print publications, local TV, basically all of the things under PR media, we pitch on your behalf. And I also have other opportunities where people can work with me and my team to get them PR strategies. I have a course, I have some digital products where people can learn how to DIY PR for themselves. And I've been in business since January, 2016. So by the time that this comes out, that'll be four years, which is just crazy. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you so So, much. Okay. So how did you get here? So you mentioned January, 2016. What were you doing before? Did you always know that you wanted to be your own boss? Have you always been an entrepreneur? How did this whole, I'm going to build my own business and agency thing get started? Yes. So this is one of the many ways that Monica and I are just connected on so many different levels. So how I started, I graduated with a PR degree and I have not always dreamed of being an entrepreneur. That wasn't really in my vocabulary that I didn't have anyone in my family that was an entrepreneur. It was a mysterious world that I didn't really understand. So like most people, I got a corporate job after college and I worked at a recruitment company. I briefly worked at a TV channel, which like I sometimes forget about that, but like it was like a sports, like it was called the sportsman channel. And it was like about hunting and fishing and like more power to you if you do those things, but like I don't. So like I had no business being there. I don't even know why I worked there. And then I also worked at a university. And so in those jobs, in those roles, I always did social media, marketing, PR, like something of that nature. And then my husband and I got married. And then we, after like four months of us um, being married, we like, we're putting together our finances. And we were like, let's look to see how much debt we have. And as you can imagine, that was like a miserable conversation. <laughs> and it actually happened like this time of year, it happened in December. So we just like, we knew we had, you know, student loan debt. Most of our debt was student loans, but we had like some credit cards. So we knew like we had it, but we didn't really know what the number was. And so staring at the number, it was like, oh, wow, this 
kind of sucks. So we stumbled upon Dave Ramsey and the baby steps and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, like if you love Dave Ramsey, if you hate Dave Ramsey, like whatever, it doesn't really matter. The baby steps, like that method was really helpful for us. And so we started paying off all of our debt while we were working our corporate jobs. And I'll just say for the most part, my corporate jobs, I did not really have a great boss experience. I have some horror stories (laughs) of the bosses that I had. And so I had stumbled upon Pat's podcast, which is how I got introduced to this whole world, honestly. And then I realized like people work for themselves and people work online and they work from anywhere and all that kind of stuff. And so then it just so happened at the time we were living in Milwaukee. And then at that time, my husband got a job down here in Dallas, which is where we are now. And the last debt payment that we had was the month that we moved down here. So that just kind of worked out weirdly timing wise. And I had to quit my job anyway, since we were moving. And so I had been listening to all these podcasts and all this stuff. Um, and we had paid off all of our debt. And so that's kind of how I got started. And honestly, like, (laughs) it's so dumb because it's like for, you know, years for, it took us two and a half years to pay it all off. And I was like consuming all this information about like starting a business, but like, I never thought about what I would offer as a service, which is dumb or like how people would pay me. So when we moved down here and I had no job, it was like, okay, like now what do I do? (laughs) Like, I don't even know where to get started. And I didn't have like, I didn't have a website. I had no social media presence. Like I had nothing. I was starting from complete scratch. So do as I say, not as I do, like maybe think about what you would offer. (laughs) But that's how I got started. I want to just interject because so you and I, our stories are very similar. And so, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you probably know that I also, my husband and I paid off a bunch of debt, which kind of allowed me to kind of start my business and jump into this entrepreneurial thing myself. And so do you mind sharing how much debt you paid off? Yeah, absolutely. I'm like a total open book with like anything like money-wise. Like if you want to know how much money I made this year, like I'll totally tell you. (laughs) Um, So I am an open book with all that. So we paid off $50,000 and a majority of that, like I said, was student loans, honestly, mostly my student loans. And then we had a line of credit and then a couple of like miscellaneous credit cards. We thankfully, we have never had a car payment either of us. So that was never something that we had to pay off. And then during that time we were only renting, we didn't own a house or anything like that. So yeah, it took us two and a half years. And here's the thing, people do it faster. Like we could have done it faster. We could have done it slower. My big recommendation, if, if anyone's listening to this and is like, you know, I want to do the same, like find the system and like the way that works for you. So like some people love the debt snowball, other people, they want to pay off the highest interest one first you know, do whatever is going to keep you motivated. And yeah, that's what we paid off. That's awesome. And that, that is no joke. I mean, $50,000, that's a lot of money to come up with to, you know, extra on top of your expenses and things like that. So anyway, congratulations on that. And that really, I mean, I don't want you to discount your story either because doing that and being intentional with your finances allowed you to have the freedom to decide Mm -hmm well, what do I want to do now that I've left my job and I'm in this new location and I've been learning about being an entrepreneur and building a business online. Now you have the freedom to figure out 
what that could look like for you. And paying off the debt, I think, allowed you to do that. Is that true? Would you, yeah. would you agree with that? No, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, a typical way to start a business is, you know, doing a side hustle and doing it alongside your nine to five job and build that up. And that works for some people. And that's great. Like more power to you, honestly, like that to me felt like it took more dedication than it did to pay off all the debt, which like other people I know would completely disagree with that. But I knew that whenever I was starting a business, I didn't want the financial strain of like, I have to make this amount of money for us to be able to survive each month because I don't know. I just, I didn't want that financial strain. And so that's why we went paying down the debt path instead of me starting a side hustle because we were able to comfortably live on my husband's income, like everything that we were spending money on, like we were choosing to spend money on. And it helped give me some breathing room and some time and some space to figure out what the heck business is. And like my first year of business is like so totally different than what business looks like now. Um, And it just would have been very stressful to have to figure that out like from day one. Yeah. And that's that's pretty similar to to my path as well, where we actually, because we had, well, we had a small child and then we had another one on the way, we were working hard to build up savings in order to put us in a position where I could leave my job and stay home. And then that's when we figured out that, oh, wow, this would be a lot less stressful situation if we got rid of the debt. Mm-hmm. So we paid off the debt on a single income when I was already at home. but And then that's when I started blogging. But my blog wasn't bringing in money. But paying off that massive amount of debt so quickly allowed us to have the freedom and breathing room to build my business slowly over time. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, so I feel like you know there are many, many points where our stories kind of align. So once you moved to Dallas then, what did you actually start doing when you're like, okay, I'm going to start my own business and you were unsure of what that was going to entail? What did you actually get started with? So the first three months I wasted time and I was like tinkering with my website, like truthfully and honestly, like I was just delaying (laughs) because I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. And then the new year hit and I was like, okay, I actually need to like do something to put myself out there. And so because I'd worked in marketing, social media, all that kind of stuff, it made the most sense for me to go into that industry. And honestly, like I love this industry. I love doing these things. So it was just a fit for, you know, the skills that I already had as well as I had the background in it. So honestly, I did, I was like blogging. That was a time when like Facebook groups were really like starting to pop off like in the online space. And so my first two clients, one of them I met at a local meetup. So like I forced myself to go to this networking event, which like I did not want to go to. Like, so I love conferences, but networking events are like just, they're different. (laughs) And I told my husband specifically, I was like, okay, probably the day of I'm going to like act like I'm sick and that I'm like not going to go. And just like, you have to tell me to go no matter what. And he was like, okay. But I was strategic about what event that I chose to go to. So what I did was I went to one that was like how to, you know, use Twitter for your small business or something. So the topic of that, like I knew how to use Twitter for business because I'd been doing it for years, but I went to that one because I knew that other business owners who were interested in implementing a social media strategy would be going to that. And so it's like, well, maybe they would be interested in hiring someone that would just do it for them. Cause like, obviously they're going for a reason. There's somewhat of an interest there. 
So there was a guy there who had a really interesting company. And so I reached out to him on Twitter like the next day and I was like, Hey, like your business is really cool. Like I'm new into town. Like I would love to talk. And then we got coffee and then he hired me to be a social media manager, which was awesome. And then the other first client who I actually still work with to this day. So we've been together for four years. She found me through a guest blog post and she's been like one of the best clients that I've ever had. And we've basically done every type of marketing known to mankind with her. And so really that first year, it was me doing miscellaneous marketing things. Like one job I found, I was like a subcontractor through someone who I found on Craigslist actually, which like sounds sketchy and like it probably partially was, but like the person wasn't sketchy. Like it was, she was legit and she needed help with her business. So that first year it was me just like fumbling around and and honestly, like finding things that I like to do and finding things that I didn't like to do. And I feel like a lot of people, when you're beginning, they're like, you know, niche down and like sell like just one service, like all this kind of stuff. But a lot of times, like when you're just starting, like you don't know what you're going to like, like you don't know what parts of business you're going to like and what you're not going to like. So I needed that year to kind of like figure out, like do some tasks and do some things that it's like, yeah, I actually don't want to do that because that gives you a lot of information about yourself and how you want to run your own business. And so then to get into PR, it was about a year into business. And a couple of people asked me if I could pitch them to podcasts as a guest. And I was like, Oh wow, you're going to pay me to do that. And like podcasts, like have like a very near dear place to my heart because like that was how I found out about online business. That was how I figured out like how to pay off debt. And so it was just like a dream come true that somebody would want me to pitch them to podcasts and also pay me to do it, which is like crazy really at the time. And even now it's not like a popular serve. Like I don't have a ton of competitors in my space because it's still like this new thing of like pitching people to podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And we, like I said earlier, like we do more than that now, but that's where I started. And then because it wasn't, I don't have a ton of competition. My business really just grew off of uh, word of mouth. Very cool. Okay. So going back to what you said though, about trying different things, it's important to pick a direction, but it's also important to kind of figure out, you know, if you don't have an idea yet of what you want to do with your time to try different things. And I found that I actually did that kind of by accident as well before I found my love for Facebook ads and that I had a, you know, a skill and a knack for it. And that's where I really zeroed in. So I had that time period where, you know, I was building my debt freedom blog and kind of positioning myself to be on this personal finance expert mm-hmm. path. But then as I got more into that, I mean, I learned a lot of things in doing that. But as I got into that, I kind of looked at the people who were more successful than me, you know, on that path farther along than I was. And I realized that I wasn't exactly sure if that's how I wanted to spend my time. Yet when I was doing these projects and helping other people grow their businesses, I really lit up at that and really loved being on that side of things and helping other entrepreneurs grow, which led directly into you know, me focusing on Facebook ads once I realized that we were getting great results with that. And it kind of sounds like you had the same experience where you were helping people in a bunch of different ways. And then you kind of found where you really enjoyed spending your time and what you were really good at. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, going through, you know, negative experiences in business or, you know, doing tasks that it's like, 
don't light you up and aren't exciting. Like people really discount those experiences and what they can teach you. Honestly, I feel like those experiences have taught me a lot more about business and how I want to run my business more than the things that it's like, Oh, this really lights me up. Like I definitely, like I'm motivated by the things that light me up for sure. But when you know the thing that doesn't light you up, that it's like, no, these are the things that I don't want to do. It helps you be able to set boundaries in your business where it's like, no, I'm not fulfilled by that. And I don't want to do that type of task. And sometimes it's like, you have to do those tasks to find out that you don't want to do them. You know what I mean? Very true. Yes. Okay. So then once you started getting clear on your direction and how you really wanted to help people, when did you start growing your PR agency and that focusing in on that model, on that service model? Yeah. So it was really between year two and three is when it really started to skyrocket. And I just, it was, you know, for the first like nine months of me doing PR, it was not on my website. (laughs) I like, wasn't doing podcast interviews about it. Like it was just truly my clients were referring me or people that I knew online were like, Oh, Brittany does like somebody would say like, Oh, I want visibility or I want PR. And all my friends would, you know, and all my, you know, business internet friends would be like, Oh, Brittany does that. And then that would be like the connection of how the word would get out about me. And since most times people, when they're looking for a publicist in this realm, at least they want to go buy a referral because it's like, you want someone that you can trust. I don't get a lot of people that are just Googling and finding my website. And I honestly prefer referrals, especially with the done for you format service because those people know how I work and they know my personality and there are things and structures in my business of how I do things maybe a little bit differently than other publicists do. And now I have the experience where I've worked with clients who weren't a fit. So I also know what to look out for when it's like, no, I just don't work well with that type of personality. So yeah, it just kind of grew and grew and just by referrals. And then I did start to do, there was like one podcast interview that I did that led me to have so many clients. And at that time, like I didn't have the structure and team in place to take on all of the people that came to me. So again, like learning from my mistakes, like that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. But you know, now I have a really good team in place and we're able to really serve our clients on a very personal level. I think that's something that makes me stick out from working with a traditional agency is one, I understand the online entrepreneur space, which is a little different than like what traditional agencies do. Like podcasts are still like a new thing to them and they like don't really know how to pitch those (laughs) or they don't know how to pitch them properly at least. And also, you know, there's very much like a personal touch with me. Like the reason why people like working with me is because I'm involved and they trust me. And so a lot of times, like if I'll go onto a podcast interview, like they heard me talk about it and there's something about me that they like, or that resonates with them. And so I'm not trying to grow in this huge agency where I'm very like removed from the clients. Like I'm fine with having a smaller set of done for you clients, but they really get like the attention that they deserve. And what I kind of position myself as is somebody that works with purpose-driven entrepreneurs. So we work with service-based entrepreneurs, we work with physical product-based entrepreneurs, digital products, 
And again, a lot of people have been like, you should niche down and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. Like my niche, niche, whatever people say, people say it both ways, is, you know, entrepreneurs that are very purpose-driven, like their messaging, whatever it is that they sell, like they are so passionate about it and they are, you know, affecting changing lives in some sort of way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the sense of like, you know, oh, my life has changed after I read this book that this entrepreneur wrote. Like I have those people, but also just, you know, making things, helping make things easier for people's lives, help, you know, people that work with other business owners and helping them skyrocket their sales. So a lot of the people that I work with, they're not driven by like, I want to be popular or, you know, celebrity status, which a lot of people I feel like with publicity, that's what they're drawn to. They're really driven by their message and their mission. So can you talk about that? What is the benefit of publicity? I mean, I think that we have kind of like or at least I'll speak from from my perspective, I understand the benefit that more people who know my name are going to think of me when it comes to, you know, wanting to learn Facebook ads or hire somebody to manage their Facebook ads. So I, I understand that. But I also know that just in speaking with you outside of this interview, that you have really great case studies of the difference that it has made to your client's bottom line and mm-hmm. that it's helping them make more money. And so can you share some of those, like some of those examples of mm-hmm. where the PR and the publicity and becoming more visible or getting your brand out there has really contributed to your client's bottom line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm very, you know, I like to include the data with my clients where it's like, it's not just like, Ooh, we got this like fun, you know, feature in Forbes. Like I like to track as much as possible as like, how has this affected your bottom line? Cause at the end of the day, like you're spending money with me and you want to make sure you're getting a return on investment. So each type of PR, you know, Avenue kind of has different goals and purposes. So what the value that you're getting out of being featured in a publication is maybe a little bit different than what you're doing if you are being a guest on a podcast. So I like to make that really clear with anyone who is wanting to work with me or just anyone in general who wants to learn about PR because you shouldn't have the same expectations of those because they're not going to have, like, it's not going to yield to the same results, but they serve different purposes. So you know, for podcast interviews, as an example, those are really ones that can yield a really big return on investment. So as an example, one that I've used that I I believe Monica is referring to is one of my clients. He's a student loan expert. And in 2018, we're going to be looking at the 2019 numbers here soon, but in 2018, he made $50,000 from his consultation services just by being a podcast guest. And so with podcasts, you can really track where people come from. Of course, you know, there could be people that like, they actually heard us on a podcast interview, but they say that they found us first on Facebook. So there's like a little bit of like, you know, numbers that aren't exactly accurate, but like of the people that said, where did you hear about us from? Like $50,000 of that came from him being a guest on a podcast. So from his perspective, it makes so much sense to work with me because I manage all of that and he pays me 
I'll just say significantly less than $50,000 in a year. So that makes monetary sense for him. And it's just an easier way to track. And I can kind of share tips on tracking after this, if that's helpful for people. Um, super helpful. Yeah. So, but then like publications, it's not as an exact return on investment of like, okay, somebody saw me in Forbes and then they purchased something on my website or they signed up for my services. But it serves the purpose of brand awareness, brand recognition, brand trust. Because, you know, when we go to people's websites and we see a press bar, so we see like different logos of places where they've been featured, you even subconsciously you already have a little bit more trust in that brand because you can see the different places of where they've been featured. And also sometimes it can relate to more traffic to your website, but not everything, like not every publication will like give you a backlink. Some of them do, most of them do, but sometimes it doesn't. But like some of them, like some of my clients like have been featured in like a BuzzFeed Roundup article and then they immediately sell out of that product. So like that can happen, but that's not like always the case. And so even from like local TV interviews, again, like we're really strategic about what we recommend for each client because the strategy that I would have for you, Monica, is different than what I would have for a brick and mortar shop in Dallas. So we really try to hone in on like the one or two things where it's like, okay, this is where you're going to get the most return on investment of your time PR wise. Like we could do all of these things, but what's actually going to make you more money is probably doing these one or two things. So like if you are a local business and you serve people locally, like doing local TV could be more of a benefit from you rather than if you just sell stuff online. So each of those things have, have different values and kind of different weights, but I do like to have a mix of those things going on just so it kind of like, as you see someone like start getting more press and media, it's like it builds on itself. So now two of my bigger clients who have gotten a lot of press over the years, now we're in a position where press will come to us. So we're still reaching out and pitching, but like a lot of times, like literally 10 minutes before we started recording this, that student loan expert, like we had an email from a CNBC writer who's like, Hey, like I know Travis, like, can you give a quote for this article? So A lot of it's like once you've laid the groundwork, you still like reap the benefits because you built relationships with these people, as well as they see that you've been trusted on all of these other, you know, publications and media. That's awesome. Okay. So with growing our online businesses, then where do you suggest we focus? Should we focus more on the podcasts and the print publications and have a mix of those? Yeah. I would say for starters, you know, podcasts are just like, one of the easiest ways to get started. So if like if you're if you're brand new to getting press, podcasts are a great place to get started. And what I would recommend is starting with smaller podcasts. So again, the podcasting world and like Monica knows as a podcaster too, it's a little difficult to know like exact data and analytics of like quote unquote what makes this a big podcast or what makes this a small because like we don't know download numbers unless a, a podcast host shares them. So like, as an example, like I don't know Monica's, like I can't find out her download numbers unless if she tells me that information isn't public at this point, but you can kind of typically tell, like you can go to look at like their ratings and reviews. And if they have a ton of ratings and reviews, that podcast has probably been around for a while and is probably a popular podcast. Cause like, again, as a podcaster, like it's like pulling teeth to get people to leave a rating or review. Honestly, Apple Podcast doesn't make it that easy. 
this is your PSA to go leave Monica's podcast a five-star <laughs> rating and review. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so start with smaller podcasts if you're brand new to just like get your feet wet because being interviewed on a podcast, like some people can hop on naturally and just like go with the flow and interview very well. And other people, it takes some practice to get used to it. So starting on a smaller playing field will help. And as well as bigger podcasts, a lot of times they want to know how you're going to interview. And so if you haven't been interviewed before, they're a little bit more hesitant to bring you on because it's like, well, are you going to interview well, or is this going to crash and burn? So if you get some practice in with smaller podcasts and honestly, like this industry just keeps growing and growing. And for any type of topic that you talk about, like there are podcasts about the weirdest topics known to mankind. And I mean, I, I think you would be shocked. I would be shocked if there was a topic that there's like, there is no podcast on this earth about that topic. Like, I think there's a podcast about any type of topic. So would you suggest that we start doing like, so let's say, so you and I are big podcast listeners. We're very familiar with the podcast mm-hmm. in our space. But if you are not a big podcast listener, then how would you suggest finding those publications? Is it just like a search online? How do you find those podcasts that are going to be a good fit to get started with? Yeah. So I would say before you start pitching yourself, if you aren't listening to the podcast of where you pitch yourself... I would try to like listen to some so you can get a feel for the host. But as far as finding them, one, like a simple like Google search. So like online business podcast, and there will be like 400 million Google results of all different types of roundup articles of like the 10 best podcasts to listen to for small business owners. And you know, the more like niche of like service or industry there's probably a roundup article about that. So think of like, you know, small business based because probably most people that are listening to this are either an online business or small business of some sort. So start with that generic general list, but then also, you know, go down to your industry too, or whatever topics it is that you're going to pitch yourself on. So a big tip that I recommend is, you know, you don't just go onto podcasts just to like talk about random stuff and like not make it make sense with what you're selling. Like the topic that you're pitching yourself on should be related to whatever people can buy for you. So like you asked me to come on because you wanted me to talk about PR. I sell things that are about PR. That makes sense for me. If I came on here and again, like I've been on a podcast, I've been on some like personal finance podcasts where like I tell more of my, that part of my story. But if you really want to see the results of like, okay, people are listening to me and then buying, like your topics have to be in line with that. So then once you find a few podcasts, I recommend looking on the desktop version of iTunes. I know they're like renaming it. Like, I don't even know if it's iTunes anymore, but like it's still iTunes to me. So whatever. Open the desktop version of iTunes, preferably, and then search those podcasts. And then there will be a related section. And so it'll be all of the podcasts that a majority of listeners also listen to. Cause most people, I think the latest stats are like podcast listeners on average, listen to like seven to eight different podcasts. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. And so I definitely listen to more because like I'm a crazy psycho, Um, but that's on average. And so the related section of iTunes or Apple podcast is quite accurate. So you will find a bunch more podcasts like from that and it'll give you like 10 or 15. And then you click on each of those and like, then 
another related box will come up for those. And you look at related of those podcasts. And of course there's overlap and you can do this on your phone, like on the app itself. I don't find it as easy to research on the phone. Maybe I'm just old school and I like the computer, but that will give you a really good head start. Also looking at your competitors. So like where have they been interviewed before? And that's another thing that you can do both on the app, on your iPhone at least, and in iTunes is you can type in someone's name and all of the podcast interviews that they've ever done will pop up. Now, if that person is a podcast host, literally every single podcast episode that they've ever done on their podcast, plus ones where they have been a guest will pop up. So that's a little bit annoying to scroll through, but you know, those will give good places to start or people that are like in a similar industry to you, you you can do the same thing. And like, if you don't want to search on, like, let's say you don't have iTunes or something on your computer, like go to those people's websites and like, look at their press pages or type in their name in Google and type podcast interview. And a lot of those will start popping up. And honestly, like that will give you probably 50 podcasts you can pitch yourself to. That's a great tip. I'm actually doing that for Facebook ads and I'm seeing all of these podcasts and some of them I had never even heard of or wasn't familiar with. So Mm -hmm. that's a great tip. So, okay. So then once we have, let's say our list of podcasts that we're really interested in being a guest on, how do we then pitch ourselves. What is the best way? Because I know, so I've had my podcast now, it's still less than a year old, but I've started to receive just cold pitches from people who want to be on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And actually I got one uh, last week and I actually saw that she would be a great fit. It sounds like she's got amazing experience. I had heard of her, although I'm not directly connected with her, Mm -hmm. but I think she'd be a great guest for the podcast. So I actually sent her my scheduling link and we're going to have her on the podcast very soon. So I know like there has been cold pitches that have worked for me, but then there have been others where I'm like, "Mm, I don't think you're the right fit. So what would be your recommendation for how to kind of get through those filters? Well, so I have a question back to you first. The ones that weren't a great fit, like what were the things that they did wrong, like in the emails to you as the podcast host? So I think that they didn't understand... Well, some of them didn't understand what the podcast is really about and who the target audience is. And so it wasn't really a great fit because of that. But then another reason why this one person stood out to me is because she has the credibility and it was very easy to see with her bio that she shared with me. And she also shared some topics that she can talk about that are very relevant to what I talk about with my guests on the podcast. And so she tied it in directly. It wasn't a cold, like a blanket pitch that she has sent to a million other podcasts probably. It was very specific to the content that I talk about on this podcast. And the other ones, I couldn't see that they had that level of credibility where they were somebody who would be at that level that I should be bringing on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, helping people grow their businesses to seven figures. So, you know, thanks for doing my job and explaining everything. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But like what you just said, like that's what every podcaster would say of like pitches that they say no to. And not necessarily every pitch because sometimes it's like, you know, if somebody does a podcast once a week, like, and they, let's say they do it, you know, for a full year, once a week, there's only 52 spots. Like that's not a ton of spots. And honestly, like as you get like higher in the charts and your podcast grows, like you will get more and more pitch, like cold pitches. So like you only have space for so many people, but 
like Monica just said, I mean, you literally just said all the things that I would recommend doing and how we do it for clients. So there are ways to make it a little bit more templated where you're not having to create an entirely new email every time you pitch yourself. So you can, I think we're going to put this in the show notes, but I have some free pitch templates that people can check out to get started. But those templates are just a place to start. Like you're going to have to fill in some of the information. So the best things that I have found that podcast hosts enjoy is one, making sure you do your research and making sure it's a place where it makes sense for your expertise. Like if the podcast talks about fly fishing and you are pitching yourself as like a pop culture expert, like they don't care about that. They don't want to have a pop culture expert on their podcast. So one, doing your research on their audience. And a lot of times like that can be as simple as like reading the description of their podcast and like going to their website. You can learn a lot about somebody in two seconds by doing that. So that takes a little bit of effort, but like, it's not about like the volume of how much you're sending. You want to get more yeses. So I would rather you rather have you send less pitches, but they're super targeted. And also with that same example, like pop culture, like you're not going to get a return on that because those listeners aren't going to buy anything from you. They're interested in fly fishing. And I don't know why I came up with that, but that's just where my brain went. But, you know, so making sure you're targeting the email of saying like, this is how my expertise is going to be valuable for your audience. Every podcast host is not working for themselves. They're working for their audience. They are delivering content to them and what they want. So the more that you can get crystal clear on how whatever topic you have is going to be valuable for them, like that's what the podcast host wants to see. Positioning and giving a couple of topics, like specific, like what the podcast title could be of topics that you can talk about. We do that for every single client of ours. And I honestly don't think I can name a time where they didn't pick one of those topics. Like it just we all get so many emails. And so just from a sake of ease, it makes it really easy on the host to be like, yep, I want number two and like the topic number two. And like, that's the one that we'll go with. And then three, you know, having your bio in there, having your links, like a link back to your website. If you have a press page, a link back to your press page, the social media handles that you use basically. So somebody could go learn more about you if they want to check you out a little bit more before they agree to saying yes. Those are really the key things. And again, a lot of those things can be templated. So something that we do with clients is help them identify like a list of topics that we can pitch them on. So we'll brainstorm and we'll brain. I mean, some of them, it's like, we have like 25 to 30 topics that we could pitch them on. We don't pitch that entire list within a podcast pitch. We pick one or two that makes the most sense for whatever podcast we're pitching. And that's what we go with. But you have this bank of topics that you can talk on. And again, you don't have to have 25. You could have 10 or five. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter the number, but having somewhat of a list of topics, that'll help make it easier so that whenever you're doing your template, you just remove the ones that don't make sense. And then you leave the couple that do. And like your bio, like shouldn't be changing all the time, but your links aren't going to change all of the time. So that kind of helps shorten up the time that you're spending creating custom pitches. Very cool. Okay. That's some great advice. Thank you for breaking that down. Mm -hmm. So I have seen some podcasters have like a 
if you want to be a guest on the podcast, submit your idea here type of form. Mm -hmm. So should we be submitting there if we see that on their website or if we have their direct email? Do you know if like in your experience is one versus the other a better strategy? If they have a form on their website where it's like apply to be a guest or, you know, submit your like submit topics here, whatever. I recommend doing that. That's what we do. So if there's something on their website where it is clear that like, this is the form that they want for podcast guests, I don't bother emailing them unless if I know them, like I know them personally, I have a relationship with them. If it's someone cold, I follow their instructions. Cause it's like, I'm a podcast host too. And so I know if it's like, if I'm giving you directions, like follow them. <laughs> so it's like, that is the way that that person wants to be communicated about guests. So unless if you have a personal relationship with a podcast host, I think that's fine to you know email them or, or message them in some sort of way. But if it's someone that's brand new to you, I recommend filling out the form. And the thing is, it's like whenever you fill out a form, then you can't really like follow up. That's a big thing that I recommend too. Like if you're pitching it via email, you don't hear back, like follow up. It's simple. Just people get overwhelmed. Remove any like fear behind it of like, oh, that person hates me. And they, if they like really wanted me on, they would have answered. Like, I don't know. Sometimes like emails get deleted or like you go on vacation or what, like whatever, like follow up. I've honestly never had anyone that was like, I can't believe you followed up. Like if I would have followed up with somebody that said no, they would be like, dude, stop following up. Like I already said no, but if they haven't answered, like follow up anyways, side tangent, but the form, like you can't really follow up with that. Cause like you submitted the form. So those ones I don't follow up with, but I just follow the directions of what they tell you to do. <laughs> do you have a strategy for following up for like how to follow up with that email and then also timing so that you're not being mm -hmm. annoying, but you are being persistent and showing that this is, you know, something that is important to you. But then also, I would imagine you'd also want to continue to remind them of the value that you can bring to their listeners. Mm -hmm. So for podcasts specifically, we follow a pattern of like, typically like 10 to 14 days. And so I give podcast hosts a little bit longer to reply then I would like maybe a journalist where it's like we pitch like a timely topic. Most podcast stuff, it's like, you're not going to like come on and like, you know, it's not like a timely thing of like getting on immediately. Most of the stuff is evergreen. But that being said, I have had someone that it's like, <laughs> we pitched them on Wednesday. They said yes on Wednesday. They interviewed on Thursday and the interview came out on Friday, which was like, that was like the quickest <laughs> that's uh -huh. ever happened. It's like not typically like that, but around 10 to 14 days. And I like to give, maybe that seems like a long time, but I like to give people like at least a week because it's like some, it's just like within a week, like, I don't know, you could be on vacation or it's just, you could have just like a really busy week. And I don't want to follow up I don't want to send it on Monday and then follow up by Friday. Cause it's just like, I think about how I would want to be followed up with. And like, that's just like a very short amount of time. And then you can also have like a templated follow-up email too, where it's just like, Hey, and like fill in their name, obviously please use people's names. Like that's such a simple thing. And I know, but like, I don't know if you get this Monica, but like I'll get people that's like, hello, website owner or like podcast host. Yeah. And it's like, Okay, literally my email has my name like twice in it. It's Brittany at BrittanyAllen.com. Like it's like clear, my name is Brittany. Like, yeah, did I answer any questions for following up? I feel like there's another one. But. Yeah, well, do you have any other 
anything that we should mention in that follow-up email or leave out of that follow-up email? So I keep the follow-up emails like pretty short. And what I do is I like to follow up from the sent email that I previously sent them. So I don't have to like repeat all of the information. Like don't just copy everything you sent the first time. Just be like, Hey, so-and-so like, you know, hope you're having a good week. Just wanted to follow up on this email that I sent about being a potential podcast guest. I'm super excited about the potential opportunity. Let me know if you have any other questions. As a reminder, like here are some topics that I could talk about. I think they'd be super valuable for your audience. You know, sign your name. But since you're sending it like from the sent email, like they can scroll down and like remind themselves, okay, who is this person? Like, what are they talking about? Like, you don't need to send like a whole big thing again. Because again, you know, just think about it from the perspective of like, how do you like to receive emails? Like, do you read a huge block of text? If somebody sends you an email that has like no spaces in it, like, no, we delete those. We don't skim them. It's too hard to read. So like, you know, and if you want to like try this out, like test it with a friend and they don't have to be podcast hosts, but like send an email to a friend and be like, Hey, can you just like look this over? And like, how does this come across? Or even sometimes I send myself an email and I'll open it up on my phone. Because Mm -hmm. it's like when someone's reading, I mean, we all probably look at our phone, look at emails on our phone. And sometimes like whenever I'm looking at on the phone, it's like, Ooh, this is like a lot of text. (laughs) So then it helped like writing for reading on the phone is a little bit different than, you know, writing whenever somebody's looking on a big screen. And so just more and more people are using their phones to check their emails. So, you know, think, have that in mind and like send it to yourself to see what it looks like. That's a great tip. Okay. So let's say they respond. Yes. I'd love to have you on the show. Then do you have any tips for preparing for the podcast interview? Yeah. So if you are, you know, brand new to this, I recommend like really making sure, you know, you already identified some topics. So it's like, you know what you're going to talk about and, you know, tech wise, like make sure you're in a quiet room, make sure there's no, you know, loud noises going on around you ideally you get a mic, like don't try to use the mic on your computer because it's probably crappy. (laughs) So like get like, you know, there's like $60 mics on Amazon. I think mine was like a hundred. I use the blue Yeti. It's great. There's a bunch of different microphones. I'm not a microphone expert, but you know, just thinking like what's important for the podcast host, the quality of the content and the quality of the audio, like the audio is all you have. And so if your audio is not great, maybe they won't use your episode, which I, that has happened before. Not for any of my clients, but I think whenever I was interviewing someone, I was like, oh God, their audio is so bad. Like I, I can't use this. And then as, as far as the interview itself, you know, really hone in on your messaging and topics. If you want to practice, again, practice with a friend, like practice with your spouse, just like talking through your points and making sure again, that it's related to what it is that you sell. And so again, you shouldn't approach an interview as, okay, like this is my like advertisement for whatever service or product. Like you need to give value. You need to give actual tips. People are wanting advice from these interviews. And so if they are, you know, interested enough in your services, like they will go to your website, they will find you online after. So don't approach it of like an explicit ad because I feel like people like start talking differently. (laughs) If it's like, now this podcast is sponsored by like X, Y, and Z. It's like, don't be an ad, like just come as you are, you know, be professional, be on time. 
yeah, you know, just try not talk over each other. Sometimes like that is a little bit difficult, but you kind of get used to it. But the more that you practice, the better that you'll be at it. Very true. Yeah. At this point, I've done tons. I couldn't even say like probably over a hundred podcast interviews where I've been on other people's podcasts. And then of course, now I have my own podcast where I get lots of practice. But yeah, so the more that you do it, the more that you talk about what it is that you teach, what it is that you have to offer, the better that you'll get and the more comfortable and honestly, the less nervous that you'll... If you are somebody to get nervous in those types of situations, like I definitely (laughs) was. Mm -hmm. So what kind of advice do you have for those of us who, because I know I've definitely, I feel like over the years I've gotten better with this, but I've definitely had this fear of becoming visible, like being the center of attention. You know, that's part of the reason why I like doing what I do is that I like to help my clients get more, you know, visibility on their offerings and their businesses. And so for me, that's something that I've been working on is becoming more visible and getting more of that brand awareness on my own brand. So what kind of tips or advice do you have for those of us who are feeling a little shy or a little, Mm -hmm. you know, a little afraid of the spotlight? What would you say? Yeah, no. And here's the thing. I totally understand it. And I do this for a living and I get scared and fearful like of myself. Like, you know, I can easily fall into the same thing of like, well, I pitch my clients, but like, I don't need to pitch myself or like, I don't need to do interviews or anything like that. But you know, one of my mantras is like, you know, your message matters. And so whatever it is that you're talking about, like there are people that need to hear from you. There are people that need your product or need your service and you are doing them a disservice if you aren't putting yourself out there because think of all the people that could be missing out on whatever it is that you have to do or to serve and think about all the people that would be missing out. And so I relate it back to my clients and like if I hadn't put myself out there as a publicist, as someone that offers this service, Like I think about all of the hundreds of thousands of people that wouldn't know about my client's services and products. And like, then when I look about it from that perspective, like it takes some of the fear away because it's like, I can't be fearful. Like I have to do this. Like I have to do this to serve these people. And so to relate it back to, again, one of my clients, the student loan expert, like I'm not a student loan expert. Like, I mean, I know a ton now that I've worked with him for two years, but like, that's a harder topic. It's not like a fun topic to talk about. It's kind of a downer, honestly, but I know that the impact that he is having in the world is literally saving people's lives. Like he will get emails from people that are like, I'm going to be like on this bridge at this day, at this time, and I'm going to end my life because that's the only way that I see out. Cause he typically works with like super high debt student loan borrowers. And they're like, you know, this is the only way out for my family and it's better if I'm gone. And because of his service, helping like consulting in the way of like, there are so many other options other than ending your life. And he helps people in that sort of way. Like, I just think about if he weren't standing up and like doing these podcast interviews or getting mentioned in the media, there's so many people out there that would feel so helpless and they're ending their lives. And like, you know, not all of my clients like have that exact like extreme example, but it just really puts it into perspective of like, I'm taking something away from people if I'm not standing up and being visible. And here's the thing, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Like 
there's plenty of people that don't like me that don't like listening to me, like, you know, whatever those people were never going to buy from me anyways. And so it's the same for anyone here that's listening. Like, you know, the more that you do get visible, the more that there is a chance of criticism, but those people were never going to purchase from you anyways. They were never going to be your customers. So you're not talking to those people. You're talking to your people. And so just keeping that in mind and just like having fear, like I just did a podcast episode recently about like, it's not about getting rid of fear. Like it's not about like not being fearful anymore, but it's about like experiencing it and being like, okay, I'm scared. I'm going to do it anyways, but like, I'm still scared, but I'm still going to stand up and be out there and, and be visible. That's great. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. So once the podcast episode comes out, then you have advice for what we should be doing to kind of make the most of that opportunity. Mm, That's a great question. Yes. So one, be a good guest and share the episode. Like that's like, that sounds so basic and so simple, but a lot of times, like, I don't know if you experience this, but like people will like the podcast episode will come out and then they won't share it. And I'm like, so what was the point of you coming on? Like they spent time with you and they recorded with you. Like the least you could do as a guest is like share the episode. So like share it on your social media, share it to your email list, put it on your press page. Like those are simple things. And that builds a deeper relationship with that podcast host because you also never know where these relationships will go. You never know who knows who. So a lot of times, like if somebody has a good interview with one of my clients, they'll be like, oh my God, I need to set you up with so-and-so they have this podcast. It's great. You'd be a perfect fit. I'll do an email introduction or they'll be like, Oh, I know this journalist, or I know this person that you should like partner up with, with business. Like you just, you never know what's going to come out of it. So share the episode, put it on your press page. And if you don't have a press page, like you should, Monica, do you have a press page? I think I need to have a press page. Oh That's God, something that I've been thinking okay, about actually. We'll talk offline, but like, if you've done all these podcast interviews, like you should have a press page. So yeah. Well, you know, part two of this podcast episode. (laughs) So, and you know, like also if you can't share it, like in that day that the episode comes out, because sometimes you don't know when a podcast interview is going to come out, like that's fine, but like share it like that week. And honestly, like as me as a podcast host, I'm fine if you share it a few days after, like even the next week, because it's like, great. I get another boost in downloads because you share the episode again. So like, don't have to worry yourself. Cause like some people plan their social media out in advance and that's, that's totally cool, but share the episode. If there's relevant people that, you know, that would be beneficial for that podcast host, like introduce them via email and make sure to like some, I've seen some people, like if they've done like a really big podcast interview, they use that as leverage whenever they are pitching other podcasts where it's like, Hey, I was on like, check out my interview with this podcast. And I would really only recommend doing that. Like if it's like a really big podcast that you were on, but that can be something that it's like, you can put it in your email signature to go check it out. Because thinking from the host perspective, like they want more downloads on their episode. So if you prove to be a podcast guest that like people are really interested in, a lot of people are downloading, like they would maybe have you again, like round two, again, they'll just want to like do something for you, which is obviously great. Another thing that I know that we've done with our clients is, and with 
myself actually when I've been featured is you can run Facebook ads to that feature. Oh, so yes, if it's a yes. blog or if it's a podcast, one of my clients and I was also on the Smart Passive Income podcast earlier this year and another uh, one of my clients was also on that podcast. And so we ran ads to the show notes and we are using a tool called Pixel Me that allows us to pixel people on the way from the ad to the show notes page. So even though the show notes is on an external website where we don't have authority or the ability to place the Facebook pixel there, we can pixel them on the way. And so that allows us to create an audience of people who have clicked on the ad and gone to that place. But it also, we use it strategically to help build that brand awareness and brand authority that you know this person has been featured. And he's also, the client I'm thinking of has also been featured in Forbes. I've had other clients featured in other large publications where we've run ads to help build that authority. And just yeah. kind of, you know, if they're new to the world because the first time that they were introduced to that brand was via a Facebook ad, then following up with, oh, by the way, we've been featured on this publication, you yeah. know, that helps to set them apart from just every other Facebook ad that we've seen you know, coming through our feed. And so anyway, so that's another way that we kind of use these opportunities to, and leverage them with our clients. No, that's a very, very smart. And also you know, something that's during the episode that then pays off after is using a specific link for that podcast, for that audience to go to, to find out more information. So if it's like, if the target is to get them to a free opt-in, do like yourwebsite.com slash that podcast name so that then you can, and you can use that with like WordPress with the pretty link plugin. And that's super easy to use. And then you can track to see how many people, you know, clicked on that link because they're only hearing that URL if they listen to the podcast episode. So we'll give an example of that whenever I give mine. Um, (laughs) And that's just a clear way where you can see like, okay, this turned into this many subscribers from this podcast episode so that you can see, you know, if you get 2000 email subscribers from this podcast, like maybe you want to partner with them deeper. Maybe you want to do Facebook ads for, you know, the people that had listened to the podcast episode that went to the show notes, you know, just like thinking of other ways that you can maximize those episodes. But yeah, I love your tips as well. Yeah, no, that's a great tip about, tracking, giving that URL. And that's something that I've done ever since I started doing podcast episodes. And so I can see which ones have been more beneficial to Mm -hmm. bring people to my email list, which is not the only reason why I go on podcasts. But it is a nice way to see the... you know, Kind of measure the effect of the podcast and Mm -hmm. how it's helping me grow my brand and grow my online presence. So you mentioned tracking. And so that's one way that we can track. Do you have other tips around tracking how our publicity and becoming more visible can really help us grow our businesses. Yeah. So other ways, you know, specifically with podcasts too, or even like if you work with influencers, which like influencer marketing is like a whole other thing. And we do do that for some clients. Like let's say you have like a product or something that you're trying to sell, like giving a coupon code. And that could be like, you know, for 10% off, 15% off, whatever. And then like using unique coupon codes to see, okay, this is how many people purchased this thing. And then, you know, if you're a service-based business, you know, your lead form or whatever it is of how people sign up with a consultation with you or a service, you know, ask like, how did you hear about us? And that's how we track the consults of the way of like how we know that $50,000 came from podcast interviews. Now, again, like 
that's not an exact science because some people will say, they'll be like, I heard him on like NPR. It's like, he wasn't on NPR, but cool like that you think that he was like, cause like people don't have an exact, like you don't remember exactly where you heard someone or like you find them on Facebook first, but then you listen to a podcast episode and then you sign up for the email list and then they say email list. It's like, well, technically you saw us first from Facebook, but you know, from a perspective of like overall PR, looking at your website traffic, like Google Analytics is great to see. Like if you saw a skyrocket of referrals from BuzzFeed or something like, and that was like, oh, that was the time whenever that article came out where our products were featured, that can help you see like the website traffic. And then you can kind of get into the details of like, if that translated into more dollars again, like it's not an exact science because like I said, people could like see you on Forbes and they see a Facebook ad and then they sign up for your email newsletter and then they DM you on Instagram or whatever. Like there's multiple different pathways, but like, that's just an example of like, you kind of need to have like with PR, like that's just one part of your marketing plan, but like for it to all really work well together, you have to have a content strategy and you also ideally have a social media strategy. And those three things kind of work together because, you know, if somebody listens to you on a podcast interview, they, maybe they're not ready to purchase, but like they want to go consume more content. So like They want to go to your website and like read some more blog posts or like listen to your podcast or whatever type of content that you have or other people. They also want to like follow you on social media. So like I know as me, like as a consumer, I'll listen to a podcast. Like I listen to my podcast. And then if it's the guest is new to me, like the first place I go to check them out is their Instagram. Like that's where I go. And you know, a lot of other people are similar in the sense of like, okay, I want to follow you. And then maybe I'll be following you for a few months and then I'll be ready to purchase. So having like that trifecta going on, those are the clients that see the biggest return on their results and their investment. And also having a content strategy, like your content strategy should be very tied to the topics that you're pitching yourself for, for PR. So if you're thinking of like, I don't know what topics to pitch myself on. Well, if you have blog content, start there. You can pitch yourself on for podcast interviews for those same types of topics. Cause like some people like to read stuff. Some people would prefer to listen. Some people would prefer to watch on YouTube. So whatever way in which you create content, make sure you have at least one way that you're staying solid, either blogging or you have your own podcast or YouTube. Those are kind of like three main ways to create content. And so that way it gives people that aren't ready to purchase immediately upon listening to you or reading about you, but it gives them other things to consume to be like, okay, now I'm comfortable enough to buy. That's great. That's wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Brittany. I want to be respectful of your time. I could literally talk to you all day. (laughs) We could talk for days. Like, let's just talk through the weekend. Like, it's just, let's just nonstop. The longest podcast in the Guinness Book of World Records. (laughs) So is there anything that we haven't touched on that we absolutely should mentioned in this? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. Honestly, I think this was the most like well-rounded, like in-depth I got about like from start to finish. So this is a really fun episode. And like I said earlier, so like if you want some pitch templates to help you get started again, don't copy and paste and like send these because like people are going to be like, what are you sending me? Like you need to fill them out. (laughs) But if you want to go to brittanyonlin.com slash flourish, you can download those for free. You'll be on my email list then. And that will help you get started. And 
yeah, this was so great. Wonderful. Okay. So where else? Cause I know you're on social. So where else? And please mention your podcast as well. Cause you are a oh, podcaster also. So yes. please share where else people can follow you, but definitely I, grab the templates. I got them and they are great. They're great prompts to get started. So definitely go to brittanyallen.com slash flourish. And we'll put all the links and everything that she mentions in the show notes for this episode as well. So yes, please continue. Yeah. That would be fantastic. I'm simple. I'm everywhere at Brittany Lynn. So Instagram is probably my most popular. Hit me up on Instagram stories. Brittany Lynn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. And BrittanyLynn.com is where you can find out all the information about me. And your podcast. Oh, my podcast. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm like the worst podcast known to mankind. My podcast is called The Human Connection Podcast. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all over the interwebs. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brittany. I just love talking with you. And I know that this is going to be a super helpful episode, very step-by-step. I really appreciate you walking us through how to pitch ourselves the right way and making the most of that experience. So thank you so much for your time today and we'll chat soon. Thanks for letting me come on. I've got to say that being interviewed on countless podcasts over the last three years has definitely contributed to the fast-paced growth of my business. So if you're not getting your name out there on podcasts, definitely consider adding this strategy to your promotion plan this year. And Brittany has made it oh so easy to get started with her pitch templates. So be sure to grab those at brittanyllyn.com slash flourish. And I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from this episode. What are you going to implement? Share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 40 or tag Brittany and me on Instagram. I'm at flourish with Monica and she's at Brittany L. Lynn. That's at B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-L-L-Y-N-N. Two L's, two N's. I want to give a huge thank you once again to Brittany Lynn for coming on the podcast and sharing her great tips with us. And once again, you'll find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 40. Thank you so much for joining Brittany and me today. If you're ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that I mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 40. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another great interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. My guest has built an ultra successful business that has grown to serve more than 200,000 customers and has more than 125 employees. He's sharing his journey and his insights that he's learned along the way with us next week. I hope you'll join me next time on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Take care and bye for now. 